Welcome to Spirits of Whiskey. We explore the wide world of whiskey through the many colorful personalities who make it, promote it, write it, and more. With each podcast, Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward and bartender, and yours truly, Philip Dobar, director of the Cocktail Collection, interview whiskey's most important names. From high-profile makers, blenders, and ambassadors, to out-of-the-way innovators and remote pioneers. Join us as we discover the people and elements that give the water of life its spirit. Today is June 17th, 2020, and our guest is Master of Whiskey, Rick Edwards. But first, stay tuned for this week's Whiskey Chronicles. Today we examine what it means to be a whiskey brand ambassador. What do they do? How do they do it? And, well, why do they exist? Brands employ ambassadors because they build awareness. To do this, ambassadors must hold their appearance, ethics, and behavior to a high standard and embody the corporate identity of the company they represent. In other words, they're in the spotlight. They're on stage. And to bar owners, beverage directors, distributors, and drinkers, they're the face of a given brand. Although specific responsibilities of a whiskey brand ambassador vary by distillery, some, common to all brands, include the following. Working with the marketing team to improve sales. Working with key account managers to ensure adequate supply. Identifying and planning new merchandise opportunities. Ensuring all activities and events promote the brand in a cohesive and consistent manner. Developing a reputation in the trade as an expert whiskey taster. Training people in the skill of whiskey tasting. Visiting customers and key influencers to promote the whiskey. Organizing and implementing customer engagement programs. Building relationships with decision makers. Bringing the brand to life in the minds of consumers. Educating bar staff about whiskey. Collecting brand performance information and analyzing the effectiveness of marketing strategies. And being a quote-unquote product evangelist for retail staff. Some key characteristics that a whiskey ambassador should possess are a better-than-working knowledge of whiskey, including how it's made and how it's aged. Public speaking and storytelling, with so many brands on the market and more debuting every week, a compelling story is critical to differentiating one brand from another. High energy and passion, because, well, passion is infectious. And we think it almost goes without saying, a high degree of comfort with working unsupervised. While a bachelor's or master's degree in management or marketing are attractive credentials, work experience, often consisting of several years tending a craft bar, sometimes provides a greater advantage. Additionally, if one has two to five years in marketing and or brand management and or experience in food and beverage hospitality, one has a leg up on the competition. Even if he or she has an abundance of the aforementioned experience, a brand ambassador must undergo significant brand-specific training before being sent out on the open road to evangelize the whiskey-drinking public. Moreover, a brand ambassador's knowledge of whiskey and spirits in general has to expand continually and must evolve beyond that of their own brands in order to be able to answer any and all questions that might arise during an interaction with a bartender, general consumer, or even a whiskey enthusiast. Many people think the life of a brand ambassador is glamorous. They get to travel and drink for a living. The hours, however, can be very long, and workdays can be back to back to back with no break and little sleep. That, combined with being away from home and family upwards of 80% of the time, can take a toll on one's body and mind. Here at Spirits of Whiskey, we tip our hats to the whiskey brand ambassador and thank them for what they do. Up next, we speak with Rick Edwards, Senior Master of Whiskey and a brand ambassador for over 20 years. Don't touch that device. We'll be right back. Today on Spirits of Whiskey, we're talking to Mr. Rick Edwards. Welcome, Rick. Well, thank you. 
Hi, Carrie. Hi, Rick. You go back some ways in this industry. Well, I've been around. We've been around recently, a little bit. We recently interviewed uh, Mr. Simon Brooking. Yes. Mr. Yes. Mark Duffy. Oh, yeah. Um, you got started with those two guys. Yeah, Indeed, you, both of you, them you mentioned you. You guys are responsible in part for defining the profession known as brand ambassador. Well, let's not forget about Steve Bill, too. He well, was Steve, uh, one of us. Steve, Steve Steven well. was one of us. We should get Steve on this show. We yeah. should. He's a colorful soul in, in the best way. No, honestly, I think uh, all of us, and I'm sure that the other boys said the same thing, that we owe it all uh, to the legendary Evan Cadenet. And Evan is who brought us into this business and gave us our wings. Very good. That is another name that we have heard in those yeah, two indeed. interviews. Indeed. Now, also, like um, many people uh, who represent brands, uh, I think particularly whiskey brands, I mean, it's common across the spirits industry, but I think particularly whiskey, you have a theatrical background. I don't know about theatrical. <laughs> How about uh, televisionical? I have a little television background, extra recurring. Uh, as far as acting and theater, not so much, okay. but I have been on quite a few uh, uh, shows that I really enjoyed. Okay, you were you were you've been an extra enough on certain television shows to to name drop them. Yes, like yeah, uh, Melrose Place. I Melrose did two Place. and a half years working okay. at Kyle's Restaurant at Melrose Place. All right. Did ER? many years ER, ER. Yeah. I was a regular background extra. I I was always put in a wheelchair though because <laughs> I could do wheelies. I could pop wheelies in wheelchairs. That's impressive. That's, my that's my grandfather skill. was a pastor, and he always had wheelchairs at his church. And my little cousin and I and my brother, you know, we'd always skip out of uh, the sermon, right. and we would go downstairs and grab the wheelchairs and start doing wheelies. And you know, I mean, I could do a pretty good wheelie. And so George Clooney, who's the master of pulling wheelies in a wheelchair and playing basketball. Tim and I would have wheelie races around the set of ER, and then at awesome. lunchtime we'd play basketball together in the wheelchairs. Now, not only were you a TV guy, but you also danced a little, maybe did well, a little modeling. What are you talking about? I, I have no I, idea what you're maybe, talking maybe about. Maybe a little Chippendales. What is this Chippendales? Have you been talking to David Blackmore? <laughs> I swear it's Blackie that drops that. No, I did dance for Chippendales for four years. Um, I was part of the uh, American team when we were celebrating the 20th anniversary. So Chippendales started in 1978 by uh, Nick Benoya and Stephen Banerjee. And then in 1998, for the 20th anniversary, I was on the U.S. American tour. Now, keep in mind, there was also a European tour. They were different dancers. Than us. Yeah. By the way, we're having Mr. Blackman. Oh, great. Great. Let me know. I'll call in and get them all riled up. Yeah, we, we should actually... actually Good point. Any of those listeners out there, if you go to the Anchor page for our app, you can actually leave us a voice message, and then we can get back to you. So, Rick, one of the things that we usually start out with, because as you know, this podcast was born out of COVID-19 and having to stop down on our pilot production. The pilot is called Whiskey Chef's Journey, so we always ask people... Tell us about your whiskey journey. How I got into it. How you got into it. How did you get from, you know, from Chippendales <laughs> to, to uh, Stranahan's? It was the Army. I went from the United States Army out to Los Angeles. So I went in the Army in 1986. I was with the uh, 3rd Infantry Division. I went through jump school as a paratrooper with the 1st of the 507th Airborne Division. I went to ranger school, but never, uh, never passed ranger school because I couldn't pass land navigation. So I... I had to recycle in the Army, and I had to go through Ranger School all over again, and I failed the same course a second time, so I never got my tap, as we would say. Yeah. 
But I did go on to uh, Air Assault School, uh, Light Fighter Academy, Light Leaders Course, NBC Warfare. And so I have a, I have a few few uh, medals on my chest, a couple wow. heavy medals there. Nice. Got out of the military in 1992, and uh, so my nickname in the Army was Hollywood. All my drill sergeants, all my, my CO, uh, my XO, they all called me Hollywood. A joke. And so when I got out of the Army, I'm like, I'm not going back to Iowa. Ankeny, Iowa, to be exact. Ankeny. So, Ankeny, yeah. It's just a... a was a what's your phraseology? <laughs> Ankeny. Uh, so I moved out to Hollywood in 92. Um, started doing background work and extra work. And, you know, while I was doing that, I had to supplement my income. Because as you know here, well, all of us, yeah. you have to have another job. Yep. And I wasn't willing to be a bartender or a waiter at that point because there wasn't enough flexibility. Uh, to go to set when I needed to. Right. So I started doing uh, promotions, and I started doing liquor promotions. And I started out as a promo model. Then I became a brand builder. Then I became a local brand ambassador for several years. Went on to be a national mentor with Simon Brooking and Marty Duffy and the rest of the team. Yeah. And then after uh, about a couple of years of being a national mentor, we became one of the original masters of scotch in the United States. And then from that was a Diageo's Master of Scotch program. Yes. So we went to the Royal Lucknagar Academy of Malt Advocates, studied with uh, Dr. Nick Morgan and Ian Williams, and learned a whole lot about history and, and whiskey. Storytelling. There's so many brands in that the greatest challenge, perhaps, is differentiating the product, the brand, amongst all the others. And storytelling, probably more often than not, makes the difference. Did you start out as a master storyteller, or is that something you, is that a skill you developed along the way? Well, that was actually something that we had to uh -huh. We uh, back when I got started, we, we had a thing called the Moth, I believe it was called, and it was how to art a story, how to to make a story interesting, how to make a story uh, relevant to people. So we had training on that. Oh. It's not just talking a lot and filling up <laughs> words, which I tend to do quite often. Yeah, it's presenting an art. It's you know, yeah, the, the, the slopes are important. I mean, you have to engage people. Simon and Marty both mentioned the iconic historic trip. To Scotland, where you guys were riding a bus and learning things in a book and missing all the scenery across the country while you were learning yeah, all these was, things. That was a, that wasn't for um, that wasn't the second time. That was the first time we were there with the National Mentor Program. Mm -hmm. You know, just before we went on to Masters of Scotch at the uh, Royal London Bar Academy. This was the National Mentor where we all traveled around the United States, uh, mentoring local ambassadors, and it was it was tough. Um, what Simon forgot to tell you was that he <laughs> he comes running out of a pub. I can't remember if we were on Isla or if we were on Sky, but he slips on sheep crap <laughs> and breaks his ankle and had to go to the hospital. So oh, I always geez. remember I always remember Spike McClure chasing Simon out of the pub and him slipping on uh, some sheep crap. And, and yeah, he didn't tell us about that yeah, part. No, no. Of course. For you, when did you actually first start drinking whiskey, and what whiskeys were your first go-to, and then how have your has your palate changed over the years? When I first started drinking whiskey, I think I was drinking it with ginger ale. So I was drinking scotch and ginger ale, and it would be mostly ginger ale with a glass of scotch in the very beginning. And then as I just started falling in love with uh, with whiskey in general, you started seeing those uh, measurements changing to where it was just a splash of uh, ginger ale. ale in there. These were blended scotches? Uh, blended scotches back in the days, yes. Uh, and then I think when I first started getting into the single malt category, it was definitely Isla whiskey. Okay. Uh, nice, smoky, peaty, mm -hmm. uh, 
big earthy Isla whiskeys was really what I cut my teeth on. And um, then I just realized that malt whiskey is kind of where my heart is over corn or wheat or rye. I do love a rye whiskey, but single malt is the same for me. Same for me. All whiskeys are still before vodka gin or anything else for me, but there's a there's a hierarchy for me with the, the single malt. Now, you, when you and I met, you were with the Pernod Ricard. Pernod Ricard, yes. That was, uh, I worked for Pernod Ricard for about 12 years, and I worked uh-huh. for Diageo about 10 years. 10 years before Pernod Ricard. Well, I actually started with Shefflin and Somerset. For those of you out there who remember the Shefflin and Somerset days, I, I first got my start with Shefflin working okay. for those guys, and then Diageo came about. All right. And what was your role at Pernod Ricard? That was math and, uh, National Ambassador, Master of Scotch. Okay. All right. So all of their single malt friends? Uh, not Well, actually, it, it did become Master of Whiskey after a while because we also had uh, all of our Irish mm. and our Scotch whiskey in mm. there. And uh, soon after I departed from them, they just brought on some bourbon. So they, okay. they had a new bourbon. Yeah, diversification is really big. I mean, you look at Bacardi brands now, for instance. Everyone says, oh, rum. Yes, but they also have tequila. They mm-hmm. also have mezcal. They also have... Single malt scotch. We all said, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, every everyone is building out their portfolios. Yeah, I mean, some of the sister uh, whiskeys that are in our portfolio uh, from Stranahan's. You know, we've, we've got Bushmills on our Irish side. We've uh-huh. got uh, Tin Cup at Pendleton uh-huh. uh, over on our our uh, American side, and, uh-huh. and then Stranahan's is, of course, Rocky Mountain single malt whiskey. So yeah. So getting to the present, yeah. uh, you're now with. I'm with Stranahan's, National Ambassador for Stranahan's. Okay. And uh, I absolutely just felt very fitting for me to go from Scottish single malt to American single malt, which is a category that's still waiting to be put on. Yeah, it's, it's growing. growing. Yeah, it's coming. It's growing. But people, even even committed whiskey drinkers, still like, what? American single malt? I mean, there are quite a few in the market now, but it's still a category in formation. It is. You know, and I, I see Stranahan's, and one of the things that I love about being uh, with this brand now and this distillery is that uh, we were the first, the first distillery, first legal distillery licensed in Colorado after Prohibition. Uh-huh. Uh, definitely a leader in the category, and I kind of feel like now being a part of Stranahan's as their national ambassador, um, I have an opportunity that I can actually help really build this brand uh, in the next coming years. So, ten years old. The brand? Started in two thousand four. Two thousand four. Okay. So sixteen. Two thousand four. Uh, the first idea came about in 1998, which is a great oh, story. Tell the story. The origin story is fun. The origin story is fun. So the name of our whiskey is called Stranahan's Colorado Whiskey. But the founder of our distillery was Jess Graber. And Jess Graber was, uh, he was a mountain distiller. Uh, he was kind of a rancher, loved to make whiskey. He was kind of a 1970s, you know, mountain distiller, like I said. And so he was also a volunteer firefighter. And on April 2nd of 1998, he responded to a barn fire down the road. And so they went down there. They uh, Unfortunately, the firemen weren't able to save the barn, uh, but they were able to save a lot of the beer that was in that barn. Well, that's, imp- that's the most important thing. And uh, uh, Jess Graber was our founder. Uh-huh. And Jess Graber uh, got to talking with uh, George Stranahan. He lost the barn. And he says, well, I own Flying Dog Brewery. And Jess said, oh, you own a brewery where I, I do a lot of mountain distilling. So... The two of them uh, shared a passion for single malt whiskey, and they got together, and uh, Jess Graber started distilling the brew. Uh-huh. Distilling the beer. And I, I got to tell you this, though. It was a friendship forged in fire right there. Ah, nice. <laughs> nice, nice. Ding, nice. ding, ding. Do we ding, have a little bell every time I get a little <laughs> right? message? Right. We yes. Yeah. So tell us more about the American single malt and why, it's, why your whiskey stands out more from other whiskeys. I mean, in America, when you look at American whiskey, 
outside of bourbon, outside of American whiskey definition. American whiskey, uh, bourbon whiskey, of course, you're using your corn, you got your rye whiskeys, but with 100% malted barley, there's also malt whiskey. But I need to really drive home that there's a difference between American single malt whiskey and malt whiskey. Right. Malt whiskey can be 51% malted barley, it can be 51% right. malt, malted rye. There's really nothing uh, differentiating. So, and I think the commission, the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission, which we are a founding member of the commission, uh, we are trying to uh, you know, lobby and get a uh, classification with a, a natural definition. So do you feel like American single malts are becoming a trend, or do you think it's going to be something that's here to stay? Oh, it's definitely here to stay. I mean, when you look at it, we were part of that founding, on, that founding fathers on that commission, it is just growing and growing. Now there's over, what is there, over 120 different American single malts on the market, and we were kind of the leaders in that category. Yeah, it sounds like critical mass to me. Yeah, yeah it's, it's moving. Now, and we wouldn't still be doing it if it was just a fad. I've heard about the Snowflake. What is the Snowflake? The Snowflake is probably one of the rarest releases that we have at the distillery. It's kind of our, our little coveted uh, you know, baby, a child. Here's what Snowflake is. It's only available once a year. Mm-hmm. Right around December time. It's only available once a year. It's only available at the distillery, and you can only get two bottles per person. People will line up in the freezing cold 72 hours in advance. They will be pitching tents. It's crazy. You know, uh, sleeping out there with their bean bags to get their hands on something. Get it before it melts. Yeah. yeah. Get it before it melts. And, and no two are alike. Just like sure. a snowflake, no two uh, expressions um, or no two yeah, series right. of it. No two releases. So, uh, so every you know, year it's different. Last year, uh, which was Mount Bross. Mount Bross was amazing. We were using some uh, maple barrels. We were using mm-hmm. Sangiovese barrels, some cognac barrels. We were using, uh, you know, New American Oak, number three char. And we were using some old uh, Irish casks in there. I mean, there's just a bunch of different casks mm-hmm. that go into it. And every year is a different combination. So, yeah, pretty fun. Now, you make all of your own juice. You source none of it. From grain to glass. Okay. Uh, right. Our grain comes from the Rocky Mountains. The, the barley's regional as well. Yep. All, okay. yep. all of it is uh, Rocky Mountain barley. Uh, we're using four different types of barley. So of the barley we're using, we're using a pale malt for the driver. We're using uh, chocolate malt, caramel malt, and coffee malt. Yum. And those different roastings of malt will bring out different flavors. Uh, so that's just that's just for the grist. The, that's just the barley. Mm-hmm. And the water is all snow melt? The water is actually from El Dorado Springs, uh-huh. and I'm glad you asked that question. So El Dorado Springs was ranked the number three best tasting water in the world at the International Water Tasting Competition. Wait, there's a water there's tasting a, competition? How boring does that No, that be? sounds amazing. I'm thirsty. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you cleanse your palate with clean water? <laughs> right? Crackers. Saltines. Um, how about the yeast? Yeah, so we are using, uh, which is different from our friends in Scotland, we're actually using a brewer's yeast. Mm-hmm. And using a brewer's yeast instead of a distiller's yeast, uh, we're able to create a lot of different flavors. And we're able to draw a little bit longer fermentation time, um, which, you know, fermentation time is really important when yeah. you're making flavors. Mm-hmm. But even when I say grain to glass, uh, we're, we're milling it right there at the distillery. And uh, we do hand bottling. So all the bottles, if you ever notice how that yellow label or the black label on uh, Diamond Peak has a slant to it, mm-hmm. all the labels are applied by hand by fans. So if you go to the website, stranahans.com, 
you can actually sign up to come to one of our bottling sessions. We do them twice a month. That's awesome. And they're two four-hour shifts. You get free pizza. You get to keep a bottle that you can batch yourself. That's cool. How many different <laughs> expressions do you guys have total? Uh, I want to say about six. Uh, so here, let me count them. We've got original, which is a two-year, three-year, four-year, and five-year-old married together. We've got Diamond Peak, which is four-year-old Solaris system, which means we've got these big 500, 600-liter beer vats called Fooders, and we pour the four-year-old in there from the new American Oak to level three char. And then as we remove that whiskey, we're only removing about 80% out. So we're going to keep about 20% mm-hmm. of that four-year-old in the Fooders, and then we add more four-year-old. So there's yeah. a constant mingling. For those of you who don't know what a Solaris system is, it's how sherry. It's how sherry is. Made. It's kind of like no. a sourdough bread. Yep, exactly. with the, with the mother. Yeah, indeed. There's always some. You know, a hundred years from now, if you get a bottle of Diamond Peak, there's going to be some something that was there at the very beginning. At the very beginning, correct. Well, okay. now I'm going to have to have it with sourdough bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got the sherry cask, which is a straight four-year-old, a straight four-year-old finished in sherry. Uh-huh. Oloroso. Oloroso. My next question. And then we've got the snowflake, and then we've got um, during the summer month we have cask food. So snowflake and cask food happen in the summer. It's more interactive. You get to have, how to chew what barrel we're going with, uh, and then we've got our cask strength and the single barrel program. Mm-hmm. So our single barrel program is you if you own a liquor store or even a restaurant, you can buy a full barrel, and then we give you the barrel, and then we give you a big one point seven five liter with the etched uh, your logo etched on it. That's cool. You say these are all hand bottled. Mm-hmm. Um, I notice we're looking at two right here in the studio. We have two bottles in front of us, empty somehow. I don't know how that happened, but it's higher that the the, the right. labels are at different points on yeah. the bottle. One's higher than the other. The other, and that's yeah. if you go to the uh, liquor stores and you're looking at the bottles on the shelves, you're going to notice that the labels are at different angles. I mean. Ideally, we try to train people start here because you can see on the back of it. You want to start right up there by the where it says bottles, and then you want to kind of put that angle all the way down to where it meets the two hundred uh-huh. bottom there. So there is, but you know, as you're sipping on some whiskey and putting labels on, of course, they're all going to be different. Yeah, maybe yeah. not uniform. What I like about the bottles is that they come with this jigger. Yeah, thing. that's yeah. our famous. Uh, it's a little tin cup that is at the top of every Stranahan's bottle. And that's kind of a nod back to the old uh, cowboy days, because keep in mind that Jeff Graber, uh, he was a rancher, and uh, George Stranahan was a rancher and a philanthropist. So that way you always have a you always have yeah, a drinking like vessel a, with you. And how many like ounces? It, does it looks that like hold? it's about two and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Those are one ounce in those. Yeah, that's I love that, and I love that they are different colors depending on which expression. A little cowboy shirt. Yeah. Very nice. Very nicely done. Oh, the thief one. That's what I wanted to ask cask you. Thief. Yes, cast thief. So, what is that exactly? So that's cast thief is another innovation that we do uh, throughout the summertime, mm-hmm. and uh, people come. It's like a big event that we put on, and, and it's interactive. Uh, so, cast thief is every year is going to be different. We're using so, different. Uh, so, do you get casks. to take your own thief and pull your own? Well, Owen Martin is our head distiller, and Owen Martin, this guy studied in Scotland. He's got two different degrees in the fermentation sciences and distillation, and uh, he's just a brilliant guy, uh, very passionate. So he kind of walked people through. Like when you go to our distiller, if you get the chance to meet Owen Martin, uh, you really got to meet this guy. He's just brilliant. So he helps you thief. Oh, okay. So he helps. Yeah. You so he'll that. show you how to work the valange, how That's to awesome. work the uh, the whiskey thief. Uh, if you go to my Instagram, you can see me thieving 
That's just straight out of for the those of you listeners who don't know what a thief is, well, a you should because you're a whiskey drinker. But it is this very long, either metal or glass. Um, it's kind of like a what do you call those things with the turkey? A turkey baster. It's yeah. kind of like a very long turkey baster, but without the bulb on the top, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. and you use it with a with like a, a thumb to do pipetting. Which, if you're into science, you know yeah. what that is. And they're used with all aged spirits, right? And with uh, wines. Um, in which case it's called a wine right. thief. You stick right. it in because you, you need to test these barrels as they age. Right. So you just um, stick it in through the through yeah. the bung hole and, mm-hmm. and pull it out. Kind of like when you're using a straw and you put your straw in the water and you put it, the That is the, the best analogy yeah. I think yeah. I've heard very of. Good. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's seen them, but very few people know what right. they're called. A thief. Yep, a thief. And hence, Cask Thief is the name of our whiskey. Again, you cannot buy Cask Thief at the stores. You have to buy it at the distillery. And for those of you, if you're ever in Denver, Colorado, uh, Stranahan's Distillery is right on the outskirts of town. I mean, it's basically downtown. Uh, address is 200 South Calumet Street. And we've been at the Calumet Street uh, Distillery since uh, 2009. Okay. So we moved from Blake Street, which is right in the heart of downtown Denver, just uh, outside. I- I'm assuming because you needed more space. Well, we had an opportunity. Uh, the old, because I told you we were using Flying Dog mm-hmm. uh, beer to make our wash. We're stealing from drinking beer. Yes, from drinking beer, which is... I, I love that. It's a great uh, story. A, among my favorite whiskeys, you know, is distilled from drinking beer. Because they have a, a very distinctive character. Right. They do. And and when you distill that, it comes out unlike anything that you're re- really going to taste out of Scotland. Well, they moved out to Maryland. Oh. So they That's flew. A, they, they flew. They, the they flew, yeah. So then we had the opportunity to buy another distillery on the outside of town. And then we just moved in there in 2009. Okay. So, so you're so still distilling from drinking beer. Well, not anymore. When we moved in, we were able to bring full production into house okay. in 2009. So we're making our own beer. We're not using any hops. Right. We're not using it, but we are using, uh, like I said, the four varieties of barley, the specialty barleys, uh, our, our slurry, uh, yeast slurry, brewer's yeast. And we're making, very our, we're making our own wash. By the way, yeast slurry. We're, yeah. <laughs> I just want to smear it on toast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Days is the name of the uh, brewery that we bought. Okay. And before Heavenly Days, it was a uh, beef jerky factory and a paper mill. And our warehouse number two, which is great, is an old theater, which I think you would like, Philip. Sure. Called Sioux Teatro. And the Sioux Teatro Theater was a community theater. Mm-hmm. So when you go into our warehouse, you got all the wood rafters, and it's just a, it's an amazing That's building. Wonderful. It's a wonderful story. Too. Yep. Sioux Teatro, and we call it uh, we call it two fifteen, even though it's you know warehouse two. Uh-huh. Um, so you get you, you just get a feeling of just uh, walking around in there, like you, you can see where the stage would have been uh-huh. before we yeah. lined it with yeah. barrels. That's really cool. Yeah, like that. Cocktails. Okay, so we talked to all of our guests about cocktails. Yes. You know, well, I'm director of the cocktail collection, so you know we gotta, you know, we have to uh, give it a nod. But it's very interesting to see the answers. Oh yes, from yeah. our guests. Um, yeah, my favorite was uh, margaritas. It's, we didn't even drink whiskey before. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had the Indeed. Pappy Van Winkle sisters on the triplets, the, the descendants, and they all of their bios said margaritas, and I was like, what? what? So yeah. we we had some fun with that. They one. are late to whiskey. Yeah. No, they, no, they're into it. Yeah. Um, so you, um, you know, do you have a favorite? We don't. We never ask what your favorite cocktail, um, because why limit yourself? Um, but categories: stirred, shaken, built. Sure, I get this question all the time, Philip. And you know, even ambassadors throughout the uh, temperature of the industry right now, a lot of ambassadors are rock star, award winning 
bartenders. Indeed. And like when, when I first started out in 1996, what is that, 24 years ago? It is. <laughs> it's, you would have never thought of using, you know, scotch mm-hmm. or at least a single malt mm-hmm. in a cocktail. So I've kind of spent my whole uh, journey just, I like scotch neat, scotch mm-hmm. in a glass, scotch on a rock. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big cocktail guy myself, so when people ask me what my favorite cocktails are, this is hard for me to answer because I normally drink my whiskey neat. However, we have a master mixologist at our distillery. His name is Lucas Townsend, and Lucas and Izeppa. Izeppa is uh, also one of our tour guides. She's also one of our key uh, mixologists at the distillery. Cool. In our lounge, you can get a ton of really great cocktails, and I taste these things not being a cocktail guy myself, and I'm blown away at the what they can create. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I did jot down a few names of the cocktails we serve at the general store okay. at the distillery. So one is called Jalapeno Business. <laughs> and it sounds like all up in your business, but it's Jalapeno Business. Oh, I love that. Uh, who was it? I think it was the Zephyr Lucas made uh, Sage Against the Machine. Uh, we've got Vitamin C. S-E-A, vitamin C. Uh-huh. Uh, one in a melon. <laughs> what else do we got? This, is, this sounds like... This is right yeah, yeah, that Philip named the, all these, I swear. the Punisher. The Punisher, <laughs> um, that's good. So this is... Yeah, this is working for me. <laughs> Liquid encouragement. <laughs> Clove-minded. Oh, my God, that's funny. <laughs> what else do we got? The Autobahn. The Autumn Bond. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh-huh. Oh, we do have one that's a cinnamon cookie old-fashioned. <gasps> Ooh. I mean, yes, Which please. makes your mouth water I right mean, away. Ha- ha- are they doing the, the cocktails to go like a lot of people right Yes. Now? If you actually, if you live in the Denver area, you can actually call in. You can go into our general store and you can get some cocktails made by Zeppa and, and Lucas together. Lucas does hold a Friday uh, cocktail class oh, wow. um, on Instagram. Okay. So you can always see Lucas doing that. He actually had me try to make a cocktail one time. And I tell you, I haven't seen somebody laugh so hard in my life. <laughs> so are they, I know a lot of people now because of COVID and, and all of that's going on in the world have been starting to do these cocktail to go programs where you can basically order, you know, everything except for the alcohol and then have it sent. Are you guys doing that too? Or exactly. That's yes. awesome. Yes. And you can awesome. find all that information at strandahands.com or the strandahands Instagram. Here, here's a question not related to cocktails. Uh, distribution. Is Stranahan val- Stranahan's available in all 50? Yes. Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to tell us about Stranahan's or about your personal whiskey journey and or a highlight of your whiskey journey that you think is just so fun you had to share with the world? We, we all know you drink vodka and cranberry at home. <laughs> but no. um, I guess a couple of things, you know, keep in mind that we're like 5,900 or 5,490 feet above sea level. And because of uh, the Rocky Mountains and our barometric pressures, uh, our stills come into a boil faster. So, oh, wow. you know, our alcohol is boiling at a lot lower temperature than other distilleries are going to get. Uh, so I think that also because of the time and the speed and rate at which we're coming into a boil, it plays an effect on that whiskey mm-hmm. too. So I think it's very unique to the Rocky Mountains. Keep in mind that, you know, the Red Rocks, the mm-hmm. amphitheater, we are the official whiskey of the Red Rocks in Colorado. Oh, nice. So that's Very kind nice. of fun. So Stranahan's doesn't just get you high, it gets you a mile high. It gets you a uh-huh. mile, a mile high whiskey, yeah. Uh, wait, can I get into that mile high club? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not a member. <laughs> <laughs> the girl who's drank whiskey all over the world. Uh, yeah, not all over. I mean, only to the parts of the world I've been, which... It's a, a bit, you know. 
a fair many. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming out today, Rick. Uh, it was great to have actually live in the studio for a yes. change instead of all these um, remotes due to the uh, COVID lockdown. So it's nice to yeah. be able to get a local guy from L.A. in mm-hmm. here. Um, just about 15 minutes down the street. I know. I love it. So thanks again. Thank we you. We enjoyed Very having you. Philip, Carrie, thank you for having me on. And it was really fun to, to come in and see you guys again and, and be able to, uh, to be on your show. Great. Well, thanks, Rick. Cheers. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. Hey, Louise, how you doing today? We got you in the house for uh, Stranahan's uh, Whiskey from Colorado. I'm super excited to be here with you, Carrie, and I'm really excited to talk about this Stranahan's. What a cool, cool, cool whiskey. So tell me what you thought. I was talking with Rick about it. And, you know, there's not a lot of single malt whiskeys made in America. And Stranahan's, that's all they do is single malt. So it's kind of a, I, I really like it because I'm a single malt scotch lady myself. So it, I'm, it makes me happy to have a single malt American whiskey. Yeah, I mean, the their story is really cool. And especially once I found out that the owner started Flying Dog Brewery, which, you know, I'm a beer gal. So that spoke to me right away. And I was thinking like, okay, well, I know a lot about barley in terms of how it relates to beer and then using malted barley for their single malt whiskey I just knew before even tasting it I was gonna love it so the first one I tasted was that diamond peak wow that was cool that was it was sweet and caramely and creamy and delicious and had you given me a bigger pour I would have drank more of it but it's probably better I do have to be productive today so so it's all good but one thing I was thinking is I think I want that with a fresh homemade apple pie yes the I was getting you know some vanilla from the oak barrel The, like I said, the caramel from the malt, a little bit of pepper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And every now and again, when I make an apple pie, I will put a touch of black pepper in there. It's a little je ne sais quoi. Yes. People are like, what's in this? Hmm, that would be black pepper. But here's the kicker being that I am from Wisconsin, I put a big slice of sharp cheddar cheese on top of the pie. You will find recipes that call for it in the crust. That's fine. But that is not the way we do it in Wisconsin. You slice a big chunk, you put it on the pie when it's hot, and it melts. And so you get that savoriness of the cheese. And whiskey and cheese, hello, I mean, is like a perfect match. Plus the sweetness from the apples with this whiskey completely perfect really good awesome so what did you think of the yellow label single malt whiskey oh that one was exactly kind of what i had expected it to be because i had read the tasting notes again being that this is you know one of the only distilleries in the u.s making whiskey like this um, i was super intrigued by it and i thought right away when i tasted it that If I were in Colorado, if I were on a ski slope and I was freezing cold and I came in and I was starving, I would really want a big ass pour of that. And then I would order some beer battered fish and chips. And here's the thing. 
if I could use their beer, the Flying Dog Brewery beer, for that beer-battered fish and chips, something malty, although they do make this Belgian IPA called Raging Bitch, which I think I would probably have to use. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, a beer-battered fish and chips with you know, classic with malt vinegar yep. paired with this whiskey, like on a cold blistery night. Oh, that's yeah, I think it would be really good. I say that every time I talk to you because everything you say always sounds amazing. There's not been one thing that you've told me about that I'm like, yeah, I want to try that. Well, I mean, let's face it. These whiskeys that you've been presenting to me are also good. Even if I was like, here's a bag of Cheetos, you'd be like, yeah, that works. <laughs> like, so all good. Well, thank you so much for your input on the Stranahan's whiskeys, both the Diamond Peak and the Single Malt Whiskey. Thanks for coming by, and we'll see you again next week with our next guest. All right. See you next week. Please visit our website to see our show notes on today's podcast at spiritsofwhiskey.com. That's whiskey with an E. We'll include links and supporting documents from today's Whiskey Chronicles, as well as tasting notes and recommendations from today's World of Wheezy. As always, you can see our upcoming topics and guest roster and links to past shows. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Salam. Spirits of Whiskey is a production of First Real Entertainment and the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts can be heard.